Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is On The Grill, and I'm your host. My name is Paul from Grilling With Coda. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, at Grilling With Coda. Stay dialed into the latest podcast news, and you can check out what I'm grilling up next. Now you're going to want to follow my next guest. This self-taught griller has turned his passion of barbecue into an opportunity to teach. Teaching with his backyard barbecue mentality while showing guests how to throw down some serious cooks. This guy is at the top of his game and can serve up some serious steaks. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Loke from at California Grilling. What's going on, Matt? Paul, that was an unbelievable intro. I'm, uh, I'm a little humbled over here. I know, man. I need a drink of water. Matt, I seen you grill, grill up a bison ribeye last night. Oh, yeah. We love the bison, and uh, we can't get enough ribeye. You, uh, you cooking that the same way as you treat beef? Uh, you got to be careful with bison. You know, it's, it's leaner. Uh, there's not as much fat content, um, so you don't want to cook it as long as you would beef, right? You got to pull it a little bit earlier. So if you like medium rare, you're, you're typically going to want to do rare uh, for bison uh, because, again, it cooks it cooks a lot faster. And that was by Ranch Direct? Yeah, by Ranch Direct. Uh, it's all grass-fed um, meat. Um, they're up in the Sierras. They've got a uh, farmer's market in uh, Orange County, and they, they produce some really good. You know what farm that, that ribeye came off of? Uh, yeah. Which farm? Uh, I was I was in the Sierras. I don't know the name of it. Oh, okay, it Diamond Ranch. Yeah. It was oh, Diamond, Diamond Ranch. Ranch. Yeah. Uh, bison. I've never actually. I've only uh, ate ground bison. Uh, fifty uh, Slater's fifty fifty. Oh, Slater's fifty fifty. Yeah, right. They get a bison burger. burger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it was good. Um, but I, after I seen your bison ribeye, I was kind of like, man, that's how does that compare to a, a, a good ribeye from a beef from a cow? It's completely different. I think the flavor profile um, is a lot more natural. Um, again, the fat content is completely different. So I, I think it's healthier. I don't, I don't feel as heavy. Is it fat? Is it the fat cleaner tasting? Or? Totally, totally uh, much cleaner. Um, and then it's just, you know, it's, it's very lean. Um, you know, whereas a, is a, a ribeye that fat content is just so high. Right on, right on. And then what'd you season that up with? Uh, we did the hardcore carnivore black on it. Um, I love the crust that it develops, reverse seared it, just a, a short smoke and then, uh, seared it off at 950 degrees. Man. Not no, no leftovers. No leftovers. It was gone. Everybody was fighting for a piece. All right, buddy. I know you're busy with work and you travel a lot out of the year. But how many times a week are you trying to you trying to barbecue? Any night that um, I'm near a grill, uh, I'm cooking. Right, and that and that includes if I'm on the road and um, I know some friends and uh, you know that I can go cook with them. You know, if there's a grill around, I'm I'm absolutely cooking. And you're you're pretty much the go-to guy, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely the commander and chef, right? I'm going to be taking the utensils and taking over if there's a grill around. Do you ever try to default and just try to get out of it? Because sometimes it's nice to grill a lot, but other times you just kind of want to be the spectator, right? I, I don't want to be the spectator if there's a grill around, right? Because I, I know how I like it. It was hard for me not to grab the tongs even with you tonight. I know, I'm, man. I'm, at your, I'm in your casa, right? I shouldn't have wanted to do that. Right? No, I mean, you kind of default to the... Uh, the king or the house. So, uh, but thank you for letting me not, not step on my toes. Oh, Speaking of that, what do you think about those wings? Oh, I appreciate you cooking for me. I, I was blown away by the pack and heat. Uh, unbelievable flavor. It wasn't, it wasn't too spicy. It was just right. Uh, very natural flavor. And uh, I mean, you saw I was, I was, I was working those things over. Yeah. As a, you were double fisting one, one right after the other. I was trying to, trying to hard to conversate with you, but it was good. You know, the best part was there was no napkins. There was just juice running down my chin. <laughs> You got to love wings, especially a juicy wing. Um, we're, right we're wing fanatics at our house. I mean, we, we cannot um, have a meal without a wing appetizer. Uh, wings are a universal language of, of just food. And it's just, it's just a great way to, I, I kind of use it as a way to ice break. And uh, it's a good way to gauge how a rub is. Uh, I think chicken is, is a uh, mild enough flavor where you can really just kind of see how a flavor profile is going to be for uh, either rub or sauce. So. Uh, and who doesn't like a chicken wing? So, no doubt. And and you and I kind of the same way. We're we don't mind a good dry rub. So, so are you a drum or a flat guy? <sighs> uh, million dollar question. Uh, I like a flat right now. So we could get along good because I'm drums all day. Oh, nice. We, I'll eat the flats. You eat the drums. <laughs> right on. Do you go the whole? Do you when you buy when you get your wings? Are you go on the whole winglet, the whole little. Yeah, I've done. I, I do it both ways. We'll typically get them separated already, but um, you know if. If I get them and it's the whole wing, I'm absolutely separating them before I cook. Oh, yeah. It takes a little time, too, for that cut. It, it, people don't realize that's, yeah. I mean, if you get pretty, once you get five down, then you can kind of find that, that tendon and stuff. Yeah. When you're cooking as many as we are, it's, that'd be a lot of prep. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, buddy. Um, so you're a big grill guy, but I've seen on your story you are rebuilding a quad. Yes, we are. <clears throat> My, uh, I've got three boys, 13, 11, and 7, and I, I really want to show them the value of working on things with, with, with their hands, right? So I have them change the oil in my car and we do, you know, all projects at home. Who, who taught you to do this stuff? My dad did. So he's super handy. He can fix anything. So you grew up turning wrenches. Yeah. Getting, getting your knuckles dirty. Yeah. I don't think I was very good when I was younger, but I've gotten better, you know, over the years. And this is something you're trying to pass along to your sons. Yeah. Just trying to pass it along. My, my oldest has the aptitude for sure. So, you know, he changes the lawnmower blades and changes the oil and all the small equipment we have and we found this uh old honda 250r on craigslist for i think i ended up paying a thousand bucks for it and um you know we, we, we took it all the way down to the to the ground and we're rebuilding it i've seen that and who's uh how, how long do you think it's gonna take uh we're about done i think one more weekend and um, all we have left to do is put the motor in the new uh the new frame and you you did all this you know you know you can yeah. you can build it from the ground up this yeah, is all ground you up, ground up restore man that's awesome yeah uh, it's been a good experience. It's been a, a complete money pit, so I'm, I'm excited to be done with it. And we're going to go down to Glamis uh, with the, with one of my buddies. Nice. Uh, who's more Who's more excited about it? The kids or you? Well, the kids, I don't. It's a little fast for them, so they're probably going to be riding my buddy's razor. Okay, this is just more for the the father son bonding time. Yeah, we're going to burn this thing down and, and probably do another one. All right, and you, and you spent some time hitting the snow this this uh, winter, right? Yeah, we got uh, we're a big ski family. We like to go to Big Bear, you know, whenever there's snow. So we've been a few times and. Um, my, my youngest is a total daredevil. Like he'll go straight down. He always looks at me. He's like, dad, I'm going to bomb it. And he just bombs the runs. And you know, for a seven year old, we get a little nervous, but he, he likes the speed. Right on. Um, did you, now you didn't grow up in Southern California, right? Yeah. I grew up in a small farm town in, in Kansas and, uh, you know, lived there the first 20 years of my life. And and then bounced around uh, for a while, but I've been in Southern California for four years. Were you working on a farm when you're in Kansas, or was it just kind of like a small town, one stoplight kind of yeah, living? Yeah, I worked. I worked at a actually a plastic extrusion company a few summers. Worked in some oil fields, and then worked on worked worked on some farms. So definitely, uh, you know, had some fun summer jobs. But you know, bring back some good memories talking about it. Right on, man. Um, all right, let's get into your grilling. You're a self-taught griller by trade. Um, What's some of your memories of, of barbecue, earliest memories? Earliest memory is my mom and I praying that we weren't going to die lighting our propane grill because the igniter was broke. My dad was traveling at the time. He traveled quite a bit when I was growing up. And um, she would go out there and, and she would literally, I'd throw the match in. Uh, How old were you think you were? Oh, wow. Probably 10, 11 years old. That's, that's when I started kind of taking over the grill whenever he was gone. And, was uh, your dad, your dad was the barbecue king though when it was here or was he, was mom? I don't know if he was a barbecue king. He just kind of got by? Yeah, he got by. I think he, he probably thinks he's better you know, than he really is. My mom was a, a good cook. My grandma was, was definitely the inspiration for me in terms of um, like she was, she was, she's still known as a great cook. What kind of cook, but she did more, was it uh, in the kitchen? Yeah, uh, she I'm, was in the kitchen for sure. Her brothers, um, I, I don't, I don't, I never ate theirs, uh, but you know, my uncle tells me that they were really known. Uh, for cooking on like hot mesquite fires in southern southern Texas. So, uh, what's some of the grandmas from Kansas then or no? Yeah, yeah, my grandma's still there. What was she? What was some of the cooks that you can remember that she had? Yeah, my grandma. Um, her Mexican food is what she's known for. What? So she grew up in Laredo, Texas. Wow. She's got a dish called carne asada that's um, like a staple uh, in her house. Enchiladas, you know, tacos. Uh, but she can make anything. I, I think my, one of my favorite meals that she makes is uh, fried chicken with, you know, mashed potatoes, home, homemade gravy, you know, that white country gravy. There you go. Unbelievable. So when you're going home back, back over there, you, this is something like you're chomping in the bit to get. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, now, did you catch on quick to being behind the grill? Um, I, I, I think again, like I probably thought I was better than I really was. Um, the first thing I bought when I moved, um, moved into an apartment when I was in college was a gas grill, even though the apartment complex said no grills it was in the contract. I bought one anyway. And, uh, you know, thinking back, like that grill was not very impressive. Um, but you know, I, I think at, you know, at the time I was putting out really good product, but I wasn't really, Oh, that got but, you. But you know, any, anytime you're cooking for yourself, it, it's instantly going to be better than paying someone to do it for you. Um, you know, and it's, it's really about that fellowship and, and camaraderie and, and, uh, really pulling people together, right? So I always, I've always had that. I've always been that guy that's got the spot that everybody wants to be there. Um, you know, 
eating eating my food. And this was just you just grilling of, off the top of your head, just not even no research, just kind of just throwing chicken on and maybe burning a few times. Paul, it's a great point. You know, back then, you know, this is 2001. There wasn't internet, right, in terms of like grilling sites. So it was all self-taught. So most of the meals I, I made were, were, weren't that good. And, 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 and you talk about the gas grill. Um, I think there was a transition. And gas grills were very popular at that time, 2001. So there, was, there wasn't a lot of other options as far as backyard barbecue. Maybe a competition at that point maybe, maybe had some stuff. So, I mean, for you to kind of go in at that time at, at, at a gas grill, you can't blame yourself. I mean, that's you did the best you could. So I, I get it. I mean, I, that that I just showed you my my setup and my first uh, grill back here was uh, was a gas grill, and you're just burning stuff, and it's not coming out good. So, but uh, thankfully we after our game, and we can uh, throw down a little better now. Yeah, the technology's come so far over the years, right? Like the pellet grill, I think, really revolutionized things for the backyard griller that doesn't necessarily want to spend the time on a heat management of a charcoal grill. Uh, or cooker. Right. Absolutely. But uh, what I think a lot of people don't realize is uh, Traeger came out in the late 80s and they did patent the LMH, the low, medium, high smoke setting. And then they just kind of went away. And like you said, 90s, 2000s, they they were gone. It was mostly gas. Weber had uh, probably the Genesis out or uh, what's the other one they have? Um, the Q, not the QC. QC is the small one. Um, it might have been the Genesis, but the, they, they took over that market big time. And they, I think the kettle was still pretty popular, but uh, Gas Girls had it down. But in the last 10 years, we've seen Traeger's marketing just take over and, and really push the envelope. Uh, what, what do you think, where do you think this came from? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the competition circuit definitely picked up steam in the mid 2000s. Some of the shows like Pitmaster, you know, I think, I think people wanted to do it, but they didn't want to babysit you know, a cooker overnight and just how easy the pellet grills are. Um, you know, it's definitely a, a good crutch for people that don't want, they, they want the great product, but they don't want to put the time in. Yeah. I could, I could see TV really pushing that. And then, um, the market just kind of taking over and, and, and piggyback in on that. So, uh, makes sense. And now you, you have a trigger, right? I do. I've, I've got nine grills at the I've house, so I've got some problems. No, that's that's a good problem. What's what's uh what's something you like to cook on the most? What's your most used grill? Um, well, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm not monogamous when it comes to my cookers. <laughs> I definitely move around a lot. Um, I've got two pellet grills. Um, I've got a Traeger and a Yoder. I use them um, every week for sure. I've got a drum smoker right now that I'm really into. It's a Gateway barbecue. Oh, that thing's beautiful. Yellow has your logo. Yeah, I've seen that thing. It's a sweet cooker and it's it's very unique, right? And it cooks a lot different than than what I'm probably more comfortable or used to. I've got a Kamado. I've got a green egg. Love it. How I do think, you like the ceramics? I love the ceramics. I think for chicken, you know, they put out some of the best product um, I've had. They hold, you know, temperature just incredible. Uh, they're very fuel efficient. Um, so I, 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 I will always have a Kamado cooker of some type. Uh, and then, you know, everybody's got to have a Weber kettle. Yeah, I saw your, your performer out there. It looks yeah. good. Um, and, and I absolutely love that cooker and, um, I've got, uh, a gas grill as well. I think, I think everybody needs one. Yeah. It doesn't get used very much, which is, which is just fine by me. Now, if, if someone's approaching you as, as a beginner, uh, griller, getting into backyard barbecue and grill. Do you, is there a certain grill that you're kind of pushing? I think it depends on their, their background. You know, if there's, if there's two cookers, uh, that they're going to recommend or that, you know, I'm going to steer them towards, it would be, I think everybody should have a charcoal cooker and the Weber kettle for a hundred bucks. You just can't beat it. Yeah. So that, yeah. that one's always like the first go-to you have to have it, especially if you're reverse searing, which is um, something I talk about a lot. And then you can understand the single zone, two zone, indirect, direct. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more, Paul. And then I think that second cooker would be the pellet grill because they're so versatile. And, and what we want to do is get people out of their kitchens and into the backyard. And pellet grills to me are really an outdoor oven because they hold their temp incredibly well. I think the, 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 um, you know, the thing that you can cook every day on it is pizza. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about that, but it just wood firing cookies and pies and pizza and your day to day. Cookies on the smoker is incredible. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's In fact, usually how we sell people on getting a pellet grill is when we do 
pizza pie cookies oh, brownies man. and then they're hooked they're like i didn't know you could do that yeah. you don't i don't have to run my oven in the in the in the summer yeah, especially that's big for us being so southern california 110 it's not fun to put the heat uh, the oven on in the house no doubt yeah yeah i was a 365 griller um, when i lived in minnesota uh and I, I don't know that i can claim it living here because we don't see temperatures below you know 50 degrees did you do any of the ice fishing I never did. Um, I had I had some ice fishing gear given to me, and I, I never used. That's it. a big thing in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Anything with um, you know fishing and beer. <laughs> it's a good combo. It goes hand in hand, especially with uh, grilling too. Um, who were some of your early influences once you start getting when you once you started hitting that that beginner barbecue and you kind of switch gears to to really progress in your game? Who did you look to anyone? on a professional level or, or was it people on TV or was there anyone on the internet you can just kind of looked up and just kind of took, took their advice? Yeah. My earliest um, barbecue mentor was a guy named Chris Normandin. He's on Instagram. He's not a, he's not a huge poster, um, but he had extensive KCBS background and I was wanting to graduate from, you know, burgers, steaks, dogs to pulled pork, ribs, brisket, you know, really competition style barbecue. And, and he taught me a ton. And there were, there were countless times he would come to the house to help me with my prep, you know, and I think like anybody learning, right. I probably asked him the same question a hundred times. He was always patient, always there for me. Um, and then, you know, I think I, I got, I've gotten into various, um, you know, sites, amazing ribs was really, I was big into that in the, in the, uh, you know, 2008 era. That's, that's when I think I, I turned a corner and went deeper and deeper and, Really, just anything I could get my hands on. I was. Do you still try to teach the way Chris taught you, and as far as that patience and and just have that mindset that, you know, maybe someone has that fire in the eye because you've you've taken this to a whole nother level. You know, you've been doing great, and uh, sometimes you can kind of get carried away and and not go over the basics for someone who's just starting out, and it could really, you know, steer them in the wrong direction or put them in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I I try to be. Uh, very patient and then it's baby steps like I've got one of my really good friends out here um, you know he's he's cutting his teeth now and going to the next step and you know he's wanting to do brisket right away and I'm like oh was this was down. this Rory this Everybody, is Rory yeah. Rory Young so um, you know he's 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 progressing really quickly right he's learning at a rapid rate and um, you know I'm just trying to keep it small right because it's like you don't want to you can drink it's like drinking from a fire hose but he wants to do it all right now because he's a perfectionist yeah there you go that's that's kind of how it is and, and I'm kind of with you too it's anyone who uh, wants some advice it's it's kind of like all right slow down don't spend the thousand dollars on the pellet grill just yet get the, like you said get the hundred dollar Weber kettle mess up a few times understand the concept of indirect direct uh, grilling it and then it comes and you know, the light bulb comes on yeah it's the whole crawl walk run yeah, but as as we like to do is run, just run one speed. Yep, it's all right. Um, what what do you see next for grills? Um, obviously we've seen the last two years, the the settings, the control units is 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 pretty top notch. What, what do you think's next? You know, I think charcoal is going to make a huge comeback. You can already you can already see it in the competition circuit. I think people were dabbling in pellet grills and they've moved away. You look at the winning teams right now; they're on these drum smokers. They're in offset pits. Um, you can't beat charcoal flavor. And it, it brings me brings back memories. I remember my dad making a steak on a Weber kettle and using mesquite wood chips in it. I can still describe how that tasted, right? It's weird how that 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 flavor never leaves. Like there's some smells you might you might mistaken, but that flavor you can just always just kind of remember. It's one of those awesome senses that there's just... something about the fat dripping on the coals and vaporizing and going back in and infusing the meat. And that's why I love the Kamado cookers. Um, yeah, so I think, I think as people, um, want to take their game to the next level, they'll be adding charcoal cookers to the, to the mix. Right on. Yeah. I can, I can kind of agree with that. Um, is there anything you, you don't like right now with, uh, or is there anything else you want to see more coming from the competition to the to, to backyard circuit? Like, uh, any, any styles, any, uh, Anything that you see, because you do have a, you do have a, a little background in the KCBS, correct? A little bit. I, I was more of a helper than a than a you know running a full team. But um, you know, Rory's trying to inspire me to uh, get a team out here. I think we might have to pull you into. Oh man, that's it, pull you down. You, you you did great, man. I saw you on Saturday. You did great. There's uh, and plus that's a lot of work. People I don't know people understand that that the amount of dedication and, and prep goes in that. Just even for backyard barbecuing um, or 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 really trying to get something going, it does, it does take some time. Yeah, I think one thing that um, 
it's almost become too easy. You know, I think a lot of the cookers today, they've got Wi-Fi enabled, um, you know, controllers and, you know, you can turn off your grill from your phone and, you know, there's thermometers and thermocouples that tell you where the, the meat's at. Um, I, I don't use a lot of that because I think it, it, it takes out some of that um, art. There's, it's definitely art and science. Um, but I think as you move too far to the science and it's just, it's just a robot, you know, then it's cooking itself. And part of the fun is opening that grill and, and seeing that you burned it or seeing that it's not done yet. Right. And, and I think you've got to keep that art, that art there. Cause that's, that's what makes my chicken wings taste different than yours is, um, what we put on it. Right. It's the individual spin. Yeah. So you don't use your Wi-Fi sometimes. Uh, I rarely do. I either do. I, I find like there's a, there's a lull in it and, um, I found actually it's it's a little off. I, I, I have, my complaint is the gauge is big bigger on my thermometer that's connected to my uh, my smoker than it is uh, to my my thermopop, and I've I found that it's off, and I've trusted my thermopop pretty 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 solidly. So um, yeah, I don't I don't use my Wi-Fi at all actually. All right, Matt, you threw down some uh, some chicken at a workshop, and and that's where this is kind of going is. Uh, you are a backyard barbecue who who barbecuer who does teach. Uh, you do hold classes at your house, and you do um, you are invited to Primal Pastures, and you've done uh, you did a cook there Saturday. Uh, how, how did those go for you? What's your preparation like? Yeah, I think um, you know first I did some workshops in in uh, Wichita, Kansas at All Things Barbecue. Um, they do workshops on Friday and Saturdays, and that's kind of where I got the idea when I came out to California because there wasn't anybody really teaching barbecue. Uh, most people out here don't even know what KCBS is. And, um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of techniques I've learned in the various states I've lived. I've moved quite a bit over the last um, 16 years and learned a lot, a lot of different styles. And I think for me, it's really about helping people with wherever they're at. If, if they're cooking on a gas grill and they, they want to graduate and get a pellet grill and learn how to make ribs, uh, just, just imprinting some of the things I've learned over the years to help them. Do you think your style of barbecue blends all aspects of your life just from growing up in Kansas to moving and to being in Southern California? I've definitely embraced the different regions of barbecue. I think a lot of people don't realize how many, how many regions and some subsects of, of barbecue there is. Uh, the only place I haven't lived is Texas, but I have a lot of good friends that live in Texas. So I've, I've, I've taken a lot of notes on brisket because that's really what they do well. Um, but you know, my time in the, in the deep South, I, I learned a lot about the dry rub, uh, methods and then vinegar based barbecue sauces. And I, I would tell you for sure, like my ribs are a meld of everywhere I've lived. And I think that's why they're very unique. Yeah. You're telling me about that a little bit. I, I won't give out your, your secret concoction, but you do blend, uh, some untraditional sauces and, uh, you, you got money on there. Yeah. Every, every single time people have my ribs, they're, they're always floored by the, the, barbecue sauce because it's very very unique uh, yeah but for me the workshops have been a great outlet to to meet people and then show them what i know and you know there hasn't been a, a workshop yet where i haven't learned something too so i think that's what's awesome is there's always somebody in the group that has an opinion and it's it's really a great time just to have um, conversation i think uh, that's probably the one thing you pulled away saturday was it wasn't like i was up there demanding that my way was the best but it was more talking about techniques and having conversation when did you feel like when you came to California and then you, you, you started working back on your grill, but when did you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to, cause it's a different beast to be cooking for a buddy and teaching him, uh, you know, how to use a Weber or use a pellet grill, but you're teaching for paying customers. When do you, when's that confidence boost set in? You're like, all right, I'm ready for this. Well, I think it kind of coincides with my Instagram account. So we'll kind of go down that path. Um, and that, that really started in 2015, 2016, we were at a cookout and, and somebody was like, can you stop texting me pictures every night when you grill? And they're like, you need to get on Instagram and start posting on there. So I started an Instagram account and you know, I wasn't getting a ton of traction. In fact, there were these hot dog posts that were getting thousands of likes on people's accounts and mine were getting like 10. And I, I reached out to a few people on Instagram and just asked you know, hey, what's your secret? What do you do to gain a following? And I, I just made a commitment. I'm gonna post a picture every day for 60 days. So I think the first thing it did is it got me out on the grill even more. And I was I was trying to up my my photos and the quality of product I was putting out and um, really doing things I'd never done, like tomahawk ribeyes and you know just really crazy steaks and 
taking unbelievable photos. So a couple of years of doing that, like you get really confident behind the grill because you, you, you fail so much and you've got to fail forward. So I think it, I think at that point in like 2017, after, you know, the, the account had grown and, and I'd really pushed myself, um, people were reaching out saying, Hey, can you show me how to do that? So I think when people started to reach out and see that, you know, I had some stuff going on, that's when I was like, okay, I could probably start teaching some of this. Because it does take some time when, once you, you don't realize it, but once you're going over the same steps, you need to have a format because going over the same thing, uh, it, it does take some time. So I've kind of committed, uh, put together format so I can give you see what you're saying, but you did have a, a picture go pretty much viral with over 4,000 likes. Yeah. We've had a few go viral over the years. Um, it's always humbling when you see it go because your phone will not stop blowing up. And what was that first time that when you're just like, Oh, like, I think there are, there are, there are a few I hit that, um, you know, when they go over a thousand, that's when it's super crazy. And you had over 580 comments on one, I think. Yeah. I had, I had one that had over 580 comments and I think I received 300 direct messages. So, I mean, it was almost to the point where it was crazy. It was like, what is happening here? In fact, my Instagram account got shut down because they thought it was, they didn't think it was real. It was, it, it went so viral. That's amazing. Food can uh, empower people and steak always wins. It's, uh, you could spend, you could spend your heart and soul on a, a nice fish cook or uh, butter up a pork chop, but a red meat just kills it on the IG. Paul, you're so right. Chicken, um, chicken, fish, they get no love. Pork chops get no love. If you cut into them, they get no love. But steaks all day, burgers, you know, the all the carnivore stuff goes huge. Yeah, it's crazy. Which is you good could, for me because I'm a steak guy. Yeah, no, yeah. And uh, your Instagram is, is always good to check out for steaks. Uh, you kill it. I, I need to try one of your steaks. Well, I definitely owe you after after these wings today. Heck yeah. Uh, speaking of which, do you, are you picking a grill uh, for a... Uh, like, is there a steak? Are you going to the ceramic? Is there chicken wings? Are you going to your jump smoker? Are you, are you kind of doing that? Are you just, are you, I, I know, I know you're versed enough where you can pretty much, I could blindfold you and, and, uh, make you choose a, a grill and you can, you can th- hold your own. Yeah. For, for steaks, it's always going to be a reverse year process for me. Um, I, I believe in the edge to edge pink and you know, the way that you get the Maillard reaction on a steak by reverse searing, it's just second. Talk about the Maillard reaction. Yeah. So it's the browning of meat. Um, and it, it, it's going to happen when the steak um, hits temperatures of over 450 degrees. Um, what's nice about reverse sear is by going low and slow first, even if it's only 30 minutes, you're allowing the steak to release enzymes throughout the meat. And then when you sear it, you're setting up the, the, the sear because you're drying the steak out, right? All that moisture, there's a lot of moisture in a steak. And as that moisture is dried out, you're going you're gonna to be able to brown that crust even better. Um, there's a lot of different ways to sear steak. But I'm always going to go with a um, two-zone cook on a, on a steak, right? So um, indirect, again, 45 minutes is about where I like. I like a medium-rare steak, so I'm going to take it to 120 degrees, 115 to 120 degrees um, at a lower temperature, probably 225 to 250. And then I'm going to go sear, and I like to sear over a live fire. So charcoal is, is like my I Ching if I'm going to sear a steak. Um, I Ching, I like Yeah, the, the Weber kettle, you know, my big green egg, and I'm going to get that thing just as hot as I can. There's a couple different ways I'll, I'll see her, right? I've got a set of grill grates like you. So if I'm going for a diamond finish, if it's, a, if it's something, you know, that where I, I want that exterior to have those perfect diamond marks, I'm going to use the grill grates. Um, lately, I, I like to see her just, just over um, a regular set of grates. And I flip as often in as many directions as I can because I want that brownness everywhere. Because uh, every everywhere you get that even brownness, that's... that's you even the, do the fat cap on the ribeye? The, the oh, yeah. Spin-off? I'll turn it. I'll turn it everywhere. The spineless... Dorsey, the every single angle I can get, I'm gonna sear all the sides. I'm glad you don't trim that up. I love that the Spinellus Dorsey, man. It's delicious. Yeah, you can't beat it. No, oh, yeah, especially if you get the cut with the meat and the Spinellus. Oh man. Yeah, when Costco discontinued the the Spinellus Dorseys, I, I was in tears, and they brought them back here uh, locally in Temecula. So it's it's by far and away one of my favorite steaks. Oh man, I could eat ribeyes all day. That's when I when I when I went to this carnivore diet, I was like, man, I could do ribeyes all day. It's gonna be perfect. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's a reason the SEA uses ribeyes in their competitions. It's it's the it's the pinnacle of of the steak. Yeah, but they trim them up pretty good. That's why it's kind of sad. They're they're kind of, they're trimming up the the best part of that ribeye. Yeah, and then they overcook them too at medium. Yeah, yeah. That's it's weird. I was uh, uh, kind of knock on myself, but prior to getting into barbecue, I was kind of a medium well guy. Yeah, I didn't want no red. Now it's like I'm kind of going. I'm flirting with medium rare uh actually more rare now 
So, uh, but then being a steak snob now kind of, kind of spoils you. Yeah. Well, to each their own, right? I, I, I know I get a lot of hate mail on mine. Um, you know, some people think it's cooked too rare and, um, you know, I've got nothing against people that want it well done even. Right. And, um, as long as I don't have to eat it. Do are a lot of people asking, um, just cook it the way you, when you do your workshop, are you cooking when you do a steak workshop, are you cooking to the masses or are you just kind of cooking the way you want to? We'll typically discuss how we're going to cook the steaks in a workshop, and I'll I'll typically roll a rare, medium rare, and a medium. I, you know, most of the people come to a steak class, they don't want to learn how to make a well done steak or a medium yeah. steak. But I'll typically make those three. Those are those are your most popular. Um, and you know, the nice part about that reverse sear process, I just leave it on the cooker a little longer, and or I put them on later, and and you, you end up with the same. Same time. You still big with room temperature steak on the grill? When I'm actually not. A lot of there's there's some myths out there on that. Um, so I'll, I'll go. I've got no problems going from the fridge to the cooker uh, because I'm cooking at such a low temp for 45 minutes that it's just not going to make that much of a difference. In fact, mm-hmm. you leave it on the counter, you got the opportunity for bacteria to be exposed. If you got a guy like you or me that likes to eat a rare to medium rare steak, then then you could get sick, and you know you don't want to get food poisoning on your own on your own grill. I, I, have you heard anything about throwing straight from the freezer? on Have yeah you? i actually saw a guy get knocked for it hardcore on um on the gram and uh it was it was hilarious but yeah he, he cooked a frozen steak and it looked terrible you know at the end yeah I, i've seen some people doing it i was kind of like man this this is not uh this is not kind of something anyone wants um you talked about a rib method that i kind of am interested in too now you do a two-hour rib yeah, so on that gateway drum smoker, um, you know, a lot of these competition teams are cooking hot and fast. So you cook you cook on these at 300 degrees, which is way hotter than you know I, I grew up making ribs. And you started out you started out just pretty like much everyone three two one. Yeah, three two one two two one is kind of what I was two twenty five two thousand six two thousand seven and you know back then I was cooking on a Weber or Smoky Mountain. And, you know, I use foil, I use Texas crutch, all that stuff. You did the minion or like the little... Yeah, minion method. Yeah. I'd use Kingsford charcoal back in the day. So these vortexes cook a lot. Uh, it's not a vortex, it's a gateway drum smoker, but it creates a vortex. And you saw it Saturday. It really pulls the oxygen through the cooker. So it does cook a lot faster. In fact, I can do pork shoulder in four hours, brisket in five hours, and then ribs take about two hours. It depends if I'm wrapping or not. You know, if I'm doing Kansas City style ribs where there's barbecue some barbecue sauce involved, I'll typically wrap because some of that is injecting flavor when you wrap. Um, but I like the bark on mine, so it's typically not going to wrap. I'm not going to wrap. I'm actually going to hang them in the cooker. And again, when that fat drips on the coals, it steams and it sizzles. Make all that flavor goes back into the ribs. But I can I can knock out uh, ribs in two hours on that cooker. Dude, that's crazy. I need to try that out. Um, uh, that's wild. Um, the higher, I, I, I cooked my ribs at 275 and that's still pretty considered pretty hot. Um, but that I could see pork using the extra heat to, to really break down. So, yeah. And I don't think 300 on a pellet grill would work, right? I don't think you'd get the same, um, uh, the science wouldn't be the same as it is in, in this drum. I don't know what it is about these drum cookers, but they, they do a really nice job. I think like you're saying, it's that vortex heat, the same you can get from the gateway, the pit barrel where that, that, that heat is channeling instead of in a pit barrel or a a smoker. It's more of the, the convection oven where it's just, uh, you're having a steady flow of smoke, but that vort like that vortex is just, it's just unstoppable. Yeah. I've got a pit barrel as well and they do cook. They range if you, uh, they don't come with thermometers, but if you put one in, they typically range 275 to 300. So they're very, all those barrels are very similar. Yeah. And it's, it's a nice, simple setup. It's a, it's a good, a good setup to have. I, I, I need to get one. Um, so I actually got to see you in action. It was pretty cool on Saturday. You did, um, six chickens pasture raised. but before we get into that, um, what did you think about when you first, because I'm barely starting to switch into grass-fed and this pasture-raised food, and it tastes so much different. What, when you made that change, were you as just shocked as I was as how better quality of meat this was? Yeah, I actually think the first time I had um, a grass-fed steak, I don't know that I liked it because I was, you know, I'd grown up for 35 years of my life eating more grain-fed. Um, but the more I read about it, the more I uh, intersected with these farmers uh, and the amazing work that they do. 
Um, there, there's something to be said when you can look someone in the eye and say, I know who's producing you know, the, the, the meat that I'm going to cook. Whereas when you go to a store, you don't know the history of that animal and what, what happened. Um, where, I, where I think I really was sold was um, you know, primal pastures and the, the, grass, you know, the grass pasture raised chickens. Like the skin was completely different than anything I ever had. I'd never seen a chicken breast just you know, drip the juice that, that theirs did. And that's where I was really sold. It's amazing when I, I took the tour of primal pastures and uh, the kind of feel I got from there was you kind of, you're just kind of looking around because you're just waiting to see or smell something that you would associate with a chicken farm. Zero. I felt like I was rolling into someone's ranch farm, maybe your uncle's, and it's just, it's very laid back. Uh, definitely not what I expected as, as, as far as just being so easy, just being so clean. They were completely transparent. Um, it, it's, it makes you question how you're quarantining at one of those farm chicken uh, farms. You can't even go in within, you know, a quarter mile where they don't want you to come in. And, and over here, it was just amazing. They're showing us uh, from the way, how they get moved every day to what the, what the process is like, the eggs. Um, they're doing a lot of stuff over at Primal Pastures. It's awesome. Have you had the eggs from Primal Pastures? No, they were sold out. They were that good. Yeah. They were, I think, $8 for a dozen, and people were, like, mad. They were ready to start a riot. There was no eggs. Yeah, you, they will ruin you for sure. Like, um, I'm telling you, the best omelet I've ever had is when I, when I get some Primal Pasture eggs, and just the health of the egg when you open them, they're completely different than a Costco egg. Here's something I really didn't realize is those eggs, they're not refrigerated. They, they leave them at a room temperature. Yep. Yeah, because they're, they're healthy and just completely different. Man, I need to try some of those eggs. And they had, they had honey available uh, from a local uh, producer. And they are getting into the beef and lamb um, uh, throughout there. And then doing some seafood, it sounded like, too. Yeah, they, their customer base is very loyal. They're very curious, too, right? So I think the workshops have been a nice um, you know, progression for their clients to learn how to not only are you buying better meat and you're spending more, so you, you really, you, you, should, you should know what you're going to do with it, right? And um, you spend 40 bucks on a chicken, like, you better have a pretty good technique so you don't screw it up. Oh, absolutely. And um, uh, noticeably, you, you look at a chicken, a store-bought chicken, it's, and then you compare one to the pasture raised, it's a little smaller. You're talking, uh, you know, a, a big difference in size. Yeah, they're definitely going to be smaller. I think it's a more athletic bird, right, than, than something you're going to buy at the store because these have room to run. Um, and they're, if you see their chickens at the farm, they're happy, right? And if, if you see that you go to YouTube and look at some of the, you know, chicken manufacturers out there, they're not happy. They're in cages, like cramped on each other. Um, you know, they're, they're literally going to the bathroom where they, where they're at, whereas these chickens are getting a new turf every day. That's what Farmer Rob was saying that typically these, these ones take a little longer to, to send to the processing or however you want to call it, the, uh, uh, harvesting, uh, facility that, uh, they take a little wire, a little longer to, to get up to the, the weight they want them just because they're, they're active and they're moving around instead of being just stuck there. Yeah, it almost reminds me of like a pheasant or quail growing up, right, in terms of that, that, that size. fitness. Yeah, yeah. The fitness, they're leaner, there's not as much fat. Um, but, you know, there's, there's no, the skin is, again, what makes it such a difference. It tastes so healthy. And um, so on your workshop, we, we had, you had six, six chickens. Uh, you went with some um, hardcore carnivore camo. And you, people were surprised. There was there's people in the crowd that wanted to see you brine or they're surprised you didn't brine or uh, uh, you didn't do a liquid brine or you didn't put a binder on. People were just kind of like, like, what's this guy doing? Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, mindsets out there that you have to brine chicken because it's not, it won't be juicy if you don't. And, you know, the fact that every chicken I cut, I've got a really big cutting board. You saw it. It's got yeah, a huge nice. drip rail. I had to dump um, juice after every single chicken I cut and carved up because, you know, the, the chicken breast was just oozing uh, juice, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't think there's needed, right? I think they're, the more natural, the better. Like, I, I wanted them to be able to taste, you know, what it is that um, Primal Pastures does. So, um, uh, the hardcore carnivore, I think, was a, a good... Um, uh, match for those birds you know because it's kind of a gamey um rub there's some really good natural flavors in there and 
um, you know, the color on them really popped out, right? And I didn't want it. I didn't want a rub that was going to overpower the chicken either. I wanted people to be able to taste it. Yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't try to uh, like. Obviously, you're there to uh, to showcase that chicken, and and you didn't try to cover it up. You just went with a simple rub, simple cook technique, and uh, it came out phenomenal. And uh, I think people were shocked because you didn't brine it. It was it was that juicy of a, of a, of a of a chicken. Um, what's your mindset when you go into these? Are, do you 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 did cover the prep. You went over spatchcocking. Is there is there what are, what are you trying to take home at a workshop like that? What do you want people to to take home? I think for me, you know, I want to I want to put it in a format that people can replicate and go home and be successful. So to your point, covering the prep first, and you know, what do you do? And then a couple of my tricks, right? Whether it's you know, it's on a chicken for me. One of the things is always leaving it in a refrigerator uncovered and letting that fan in the refrigerator pull the moisture out of the bird because that's going to give you that crispy skin. You know, turning the uh, the chicken leg and the thighs inside out and seasoning the meat under the skin. Yeah, people were shocked. They they were they yeah. thought that was a pro. I mean, it was, it was a pro tip. It was pretty clean. Yeah, so I always like to give a couple pro tips that people are like, "Wow, that was worth coming to." I want to come back to learn from this guy. Um, and then you know, I think uh, just just talking about some grilling principles. You 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 were there, right? You heard us talk about indirect and direct and different temperatures and different types of cookers. I'm not going to push any one way exclusively. Clearly, I won't because I've got nine grills at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just um, exposing people to the new and different, you know, I think every every time I do a, a workshop, I try to I try to go deeper on a different um, cooker. And what's funny is people always buy a cooker after my workshop. In fact, I was getting DMs all weekend with people that were going to buy the gateway uh, because that's what I used. And the time before there were eight people that bought triggers because oh, I had triggers. man. There. So I, I think people once they once they see somebody do it in person, they gain confidence. They're like, well, I can do that. So then they think that cooker is the right one. So that's why I always try to use a different grill. That's funny. You should have the uh, the represent a representative of the grill there that that uh, that you're promoting. That we I mean, never promoting it. You just you're showcasing uh, how to cook on this. So and I'm, I'm glad you mix it up. You're not just showing uh, one style. You're definitely mixing it up. And um, something I know about the gateways, you could stack the two, uh, yeah, the two uh, grates. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's got two levels, and I typically don't cook on that bottom level, but you know, ironically, they all turned out within ten minutes of each other, so um, it, it worked pretty well. Something I was so, so surprised about is your knife when you were carving just went through those joints like that, like you were just guiding that knife, and it just kind of fell through. It was that that perfect. Yeah, it definitely did. I think I think a lot of that again is the quality of the bird. Um, you know, they went it went uh, went right through them and. You know, they were, I think the cooker had, had taken the fat to the point where it just rendered off. And you're a brown meat guy, right? Oh, He's yeah. Dark I like meat, the, sorry. You know, I used to not be. And um, the more I've gotten into cooking, I love thighs and drums. I think they're, they're so much more fat content. There's a reason KCBS doesn't judge chicken breast, right? There's no fat content. Yeah. And your, your chicken thighs, to me, are just the best part of the chicken. That was my first, uh, my first taste of primal pastures chicken. So I definitely want to try the breast. You, you kind of gave me, you kind of busted my, my chops for it. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. Uh, everyone was definitely impressed. Um, let's see. All right. So when you decided to go for the workshops, um, were you, were you at all concerned that you were going to lose this passion for me? Grilling has to be, is part of a vibe. It's something I want to do. I'm relaxed. I got music going. I got a drink going. Is there any fear of you that, that you're going to lose that happiness that, that grilling gives, brings to you and you're going to lose it in, in something else? You know, I think for, for me, you know, part of what I do for my profession is teach, right? So I, I'm, I'm in sales and I teach the art of selling. And what I am passionate about is barbecue and grilling. And I really, I really do like to help others. So I think for me, the workshops were just a natural step to... Um, teach people of all the things that I've learned over the years. And if I could go back in time and know what I know now and somebody could have mentored me, you know, even sooner, I would have done it. Right. Cause, um, you know, you just get better. Um, and I, again, I think the, just being around people, I'm like, I'm like you, I've got a drink in my hand, music on, we have all that at our workshops. Yeah, that's true. Saturday we had refuge brewing there and people were to open up a can of beer at 11 AM and watch me grill and talk a little bit. Um, and I, I try not to dominate the conversation. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, a lot of questions and answers and the class typically will steer the pace um, because I don't, I don't come with a huge set 
agenda or point that I want to drive home. I typically have an outline and a PowerPoint if we're doing something in my house and the TV and the, and the, and the outdoor kitchen. Uh, but it really is more about helping people feel more confident and, um, you know, making, making the world a better place. So you do offer um, uh, workshops at your house. You're talking about maybe one a quarter. Um, how, do, how does that typically go? Yeah. So the, you know, the house is a lot more intimate setting because it's a smaller group. You know, I typically will cap the group size at 12. Um, who's, who's signing up for these things? Who's, who's knocking at the door to, to want to see this? You know, I think a lot of people in the neighborhood are, are interested, you know, that I've got a reputation in the neighborhood as the barbecue guy. Um, and then on Instagram, there's a lot of people that reach, reach out and say, Hey, can, can you teach me X? Can you teach me Y? And, um, you know, in, in inviting them out and say, Hey, if you can get a, a small group together, let's do this. And, you know, I think in, in the beginning, it wasn't about, you know, making money. It still isn't about making money. It's really about helping people. You know, but when you start doing a, a group, a group of 50 people at 35 bucks a pop, right, it starts to be um, material. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping at some point there's a day where I do this full time. You know, it's probably more of a pre-retirement job, but, um, you know, it's not work, right? It's, it's really fun and you get to eat and you get to meet new people. And, um, and I, I would tell you that that retired generation, they're very interested in learning how to barbecue. In fact, a lot of my workshops are people that are retiring and you know, they want to learn how to make ribs and they want to learn how to do a brisket. Well, brisket's 200 bucks. It's a lot easier to pay a guy 35 bucks and, and do a two hour workshop and, and feel a little bit more confident. Um, and it's, it, it, it provides a different intimacy than watching a YouTube and, and from somebody you don't know. Yeah. You know, it's in us being in Southern California, especially where you live, uh, you live about 20 minutes away from me, but we have access to any type of restaurant, some good restaurants, but before you cook, you don't realize that the quality and the service is what you want. So as someone who is talented enough to cook a decent meal, you kind of don't want to go out anymore. You don't want that bad service. You don't want that, that, that overcooked steak. Uh, you don't want to spend that much money on, on a ribeye. You know, it's, it's definitely, and like you said, that retired guy needs a hobby and he wants a way to, to save a little more money and wants that way, uh, well, a uh, way to invite friends over to come over and, and hang out and, and enjoy the backyard and, and learning how to barbecue is, is definitely, uh, definitely a trade to have. Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, I think for me, I travel a lot during the, w the work week. Um, so when I get home, the last thing I want to do is go out to dinner. And I'm with you. Like there's no restaurant that's putting out a steak like you or I are going to put out. Right. And the reason why is we know exactly how we want it. Our families know exactly how we want it. And there's something about having the tunes on you know, drink in your hand and, being able to relax, relax with your family and Southern California, the traffic's crazy. So by the time you drive to a restaurant back, you know, you burn half your day. Yeah. Traffic's crazy. And the service is there's service has been bad lately. It's it's, and, it, and it's, it's kind of funny. I told, I told Spencer, I said, look, uh, Spencer Kirksey, um, he was on the first podcast, but, uh, I said, look, you're going to start grilling some good meats and you're going to become a snob. And he just kind of laughed it off. And now he's like, dude, there's places that I used to go to that I like that I, I don't like anymore. And it's, it's, it's just the way it is. And I, I felt the same way. Like there's no need to go out and, and spend $150 on something I could cook for an entire family for 30 bucks. No doubt. And then you know where the meat's coming from and what's going on. Yeah, no, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on this little, uh, this grass fed pasture raised thing right now. And it's, it's, it's going pretty good. Uh, what does what does everyone want to see at this, these workshops? What's the meat? They, they, what's what's the majority of people want to see? You know, it's 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 been interesting. I, I would say that steaks are like the holy grail, right? Um, so I get a lot of requests to do steaks, um, ribs for sure, like ribs, pulled pork, um, brisket. Um, you know, th those are those are big cuts. They're intimidating. They're longer cooks, um, and you know, people want to get better at it. So I, I would say those are the those are the ones that go crazy. Uh, when it comes to primal pasture, um, typically we've done chicken. What was what was cool, Farmer Rob, you know, this weekend, he, he definitely wants to branch out because they're, they're branching out as well. So we were talking about, um, you know, doing prime rib and um, pulled pork and some other, other things at future workshops. So um, the nice part about working with them is they do a lot of the marketing for it. Um, so I just show up and do my show thing. Show up and do your thing. And then, you know, you're, you're around a, a bigger body of people too, and you don't, have to, you don't have to shoo them out of your backyard when you're done. So yeah, lately that's been... My preferred workshop. That's cool. Um, what's what are some of the more follow up questions you get from after completing a workshop? I think people are are really curious about 
um, the type of fuel. So, you know, like this weekend I got just badgered on the charcoal. Like people were just really curious. Like, where did it come from? Why did you pick that? And you did a mix, right? You did Fogo and, uh, yeah, I used, um, I used some big green egg on the top. I find it lights a little easier. And then I use the Fogo, um, on the bottom and they're huge chunks. Right. And I, I find they hold temperature really nicely. Um, then that, that gateway, when you had that, those vents open eighth of a way, it was straight up and down the whole time. Yeah, it holds, it holds unbelievable. That thing's like a 57 Chevy. Like once you get it started up, it just goes. And you said 18 hours easy. Easy. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's clean. You're kind of wanting one of those. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I might need more time to, uh, to cook, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, this is definitely a hobby that, that can kind of grow and grow and grow. No doubt. When you come to my place, I'm going to be doing wings for you. Cause you were kind enough to do them for me and I'll be doing them on the gateway and we'll probably, we'll probably oh, rock man. a steak too. You're going to ruin me. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, let's see. Uh, is there anything you don't like to really eat that people ask you to cook? Is there, is there something that that's just, or is there anything the family requests that you're just kind of like, man, because it's always kind of hard to not like something and have to cook it. Um, I, I've had a hard time with the white fish because it's not very something I, I'm too fond of, but it's always kind of, it's always kind of requested. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I'll grill. I probably grill more than I should. Right. I mean, cookies, brownies, we're, we're way out there in terms of what we've grilled. Um, super outside the box. Yeah. I think for me, probably lamb chops. Um I think they can taste gamey if you don't do them right. And I've, if you have bad lamb chops, like they're bad. Um, you know, ours are typically good because we know how to neutralize that gamey taste. I think the, you know, there's a couple of secret ingredients. Oh, if you French those, those, uh, those chops, the pork just, chops. Yeah, if you, or the lamb chops, if you, yeah. Yeah. If you French those nice, it's a great presentation pick and it's really good. Like, but like you yeah. said, it's, if you don't do it right, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I'd say probably duck now that you, you, you mentioned it, I've made some duck. And, um, it just, it just wasn't for me. You doing a whole duck? Yeah. You spatchcocked that? Yeah. We spatchcocked it and you know, it just, it was fun to cook it, but I didn't want to eat it. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like they taste gamey for sure. You ever eat any, uh, organs? Um, yeah, I've done liver. Um, I really want to do a beef heart. Um, you just show me when, uh, yeah. was that Jules? Yeah. Jules from Jules food. Um, she's, she's by far and away my favorite account. I think she pushes the boundaries on, on what you can do. And it that, looks like a New York strip steak. Yeah. It did not look, yeah. You could have covered the, uh, what it was. And I, I would have probably guessed a steak. Uh, God, it was beautiful color. Um, she, she killed that. Uh, man, that was awesome. Uh, what'd you cook? Did you cook up for anything for Valentine's day? Uh, what did we cook on Valentine's? Um, I had wings. And then the boys had some pasta. We went out for dinner on Saturday because I didn't want to cook after the workshop. Oh yeah. And then um, my wife, I think she made, I think she made pasta too. Is there anything you want to cook that you haven't got your hands on? Maybe some something rare. These are great questions. Um, I've done a lot of exotic stuff. So yeah, because you do have um, you do you are ambassador for ByRanchDirect.com or ByRanchDirect, yep. correct? Yep. And they do get their hands on some pretty good cuts of meat and. Uh, yeah, if it's bison, I've done it, right? Tri-tip, hanger, uh, tomahawk bison. You know, I've done all that. I think I've heard you talk about um, on your previous podcast, there was this cut of meat. I can't remember at the top of my head now, but you said it's, it's a little cap from the top of a ribeye, I believe. Yeah, that's the spineless dorsi. But you could buy it just... Yeah, you can do that at Costco. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can buy spineless dorsi there. That's it, That's huh? when they do the road shows. Um, that's, that's, that's like my favorite cut. If I see that at Costco, I'm buying it. Um, just because, you know, you don't have to eat the, the primalist. You just get the spineless. Oh, man. That's perfect. All right, brother. Let's get into these, some of these questions from the gram here. Um, I actually know what I would cook uh, oh, here that I haven't done. I want to do a whole hog on my cooker. Oh, man. Yeah. What would you put that in? I'd do it on the Yoder. It's, it's, it's my biggest grill. So. Man, that'd be good. You'll have to come over for that. We'll do that. We'll do that this summer. Pit just kind of just... Uh, man, it'd probably be more like a suckling pig, right? But yeah, you know, I want to do a whole, a whole pig. Or we can just bury it, just dig up, dig up, uh, <laughs> dig up some cool. land. Whole hog, yeah. That's I have zero clue about a whole hog. That's that's a whole nother beast. That's uh the shed, huh? Mississippi, They're, that's their that's their thing. 
they win that thing every year. Yeah, those guys get it done. Yeah, they got a huge following. And I was um I was in the military and I was down there. I, I never I wish I would would have been big into barbecue and uh gotten down there. But thanks for your service. What branch were you in? I was in the Navy, yeah. I did I was in the Navy. My uncle was in the Navy. Yeah, it's good. What'd you do? Good branch. Uh I did a little um uh, they came to find out. Uh I went in and they uh they led me in the wrong direction. Um I was gonna try something cool and, and be be some big hero, but they found out I was uh color deficient for my eyes. So it, it took a list of a hundred things to do to about five. So uh I ended up doing uh some personnel work, which was which was great. I met some great people. I, I got good friends. Uh Chief Tim Williams uh retired. Um he's he's an awesome friend. So um I wish I would have took advantage of eating more exotic foods. I traveled a lot, so um is there any places that you like to travel and and, and restaurants? Because you do travel a lot to like Denver and and uh, all across the, the Western states. Is there any chain of, of steaks that you like, uh, Ruth Chris or? You know, it's it, this is a great question. So we travel some awesome places in the Western U.S. Right, I've got San Francisco, Vegas, Seattle. Do you got your certain? Yeah, we do. We we're big foodies on the territory team. Um, we like to we like to you know, ask our locals, right? Cause we've got great people we support in all these cities. And then we look at Yelp, but it's, it's an event, right? Cause we're away from our families. So really all we have is each other. So we go out to some great restaurants. My favorite restaurant when I'm on the road is Lotus of Siam. It's a Thai joint in Las Vegas. So if I'm going to eat out, I'm going to go somewhere where I don't necessarily know how to cook um, that type of food. So um, Thai has been become like my favorite living out here. Um, I love seafood. Because uh, like you said, like I'm not necessarily the the biggest fan of cooking it myself, um, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go somewhere that um, I, I I don't know how to cook it right Chinese food Thai food, um, all that kind of stuff. How come you're not a big fan of cooking spe- uh, seafood too much? Um, I think you got it's it's hard to find real good seafood yeah. um, in a place you you trust. I know we've got it obviously being in Southern California, but um, you know I think. I'm the only one that really likes to eat seafood in the house. I love lobster. Oh, man. Lobster tails are like my favorite. Um, so typically it's just me, which is a good thing, right, for surf and turf. Um, oh, yeah. But when I'm on the road, if, I, if I'm if i not feeling uh, like going out with the group, my favorite place to go is actually Outback. Because what? it brings up great memories from, from college. I had a good friend that uh, she was a waitress at Outback, and she used to hook us up. And I love their wings. I'm like a wing junkie. And like, if I want guilty pleasure food, that's where I go. Um, and I, I sit at the bar and I get a couple beers and uh, I go to Outback. And it's like my thing. And everybody knows it and they hate it. Do they? Oh, yeah. Not no more. You can't. Or you're on keto, right? Four days in? Yeah, I'm, I'm back on keto. I, I did a, a year of keto and, and lost, I want to say I lost 25 pounds. Man. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty good adventure for me. And I've been off for probably four months and actually probably three months. And, you know, it's, to me, it, it's about a lifestyle, a lifestyle and a mindset. And I definitely felt like I, I was thinking clearer when my body was running on fat. So, it's crazy, right? Yeah. I'm you, probably more carnivore than keto right now. Cause like you, I love the, I love the red meat. And it fits perfect with our lifestyle, just grilling and, and, and being able to, uh, to really cook that, that meat. So, um, right on. Yeah. It feels great. You, uh. I'm day 22, I think, on the carnivore diet. I feel great. So yeah, you're looking good, brother. Yeah, I, I feel good. Feels good to be asking you some questions too. By the way, you, I you know, know. You got I, three people on the grill. We're gonna have to stick you. No, I hate it. I, this I like being on this side of the uh, of the microphone. But uh, right on. All right, let's go. Let's get to these questions. Uh, you got a couple questions here. At Travis Backyard Barbecue, doing the carnivore diet with me. Uh, Travis probably has the most ridiculous rub collection I've ever seen. He's got everything. So if you need a recommendation or if you're looking to buy a rub, um, he probably has it and he can give you a, a good explanation on it. Thankfully, he has a reload. Um, but Travis wants to know, what is your favorite cut of meat to cook and why? That's a great question. Um, I've got to talk to Travis because I've, I've thinned the herd a little bit. My wife took me down to one cabinet for seasoning. So I've, I've got a pretty limited range. Of, I appreciate too that you, you're able to expose me to reload. I'd never tried reload. My favorite thing to grill is, we've already talked about it, um, so I'll try to give two, but definitely ribeyes. Like I love cooking a steak. There's something about just the smell of the the, the smoker and then when you go to the sear and you're, I love to play with live fire. So I'm, a, I'm a definitely a live fire cook. So for me, it's ribeye. 
and then slicing in and seeing that coast to coast pink, like there's just, there's not a better feeling. Um, and then outside of that, it, it definitely be what you made today, which is, which is wings. We wait, we make wings. Anytime I've got the cooker lit, we're making wings. Right on. Yeah. You can't go wrong with wings. Rings, wings that we're going to buy. Good, good answer. Um, at KCU2, uh, looks like she's starting to grill. Um, been using reload. I seen a little suckle busters going on. Um, Cosmos, good rub choice. Um, they want to know, she wants to know what best, what's the best advice you have for a novice griller? Best advice. Keep cooking, right? Don't stop. And I think, um, don't be afraid to try new things. Um, and then, you know, I'd go back to just an oldie, but a goodie and it's really mastering, um, two zone cooks, right? You, you gotta, it's all about temperature control. There's a time to play indirect and there's a time to play direct. And I would, I would tell you to master that for sure. Um, and then I'd give, I'd give you a, a little trick that I was talking to you about out there and it's, it's running the biscuit test on all your cookers. And, you know, you put some raw biscuits out on some biscuit dough out on your, on your cooker, every square inch of that grate and see how they're looking five minutes in. What temperature you, you dip, I'll typically roll 350 and you know, which, which is what you do the biscuit out in the oven and you'll know real quick where your hot spots are. Um, and the, the, the better, you know, your grill, the more confident you're going to be behind it. Absolutely. And that's something we talked about too, even on my Green Mountain grills, identifying on any grill, not, not just any, uh, pellet smoker or anything, but where your hot spots are and, and where that air is flowing, it'll help you. Uh, another thing I want to add to that was don't be afraid to cook the same meal consecutively. There's, there's some truth in that process of just kind of getting after it. Yeah. I've got to chime in on that. So another ins- inspiring friend of mine was, uh, Craig Jones. Uh, he's grill mayor on, uh, on the gram and he actually made pizza 55 days in a row to perfect his dough recipe. And he teaches workshops too at his house in Kansas city. Uh, but I think to your point, you've got to be committed. It's okay to, to do it over and over and over and seek that perfection. Oh, absolutely. Three or four times the same rub, just altering just a little bit, even just from the way I apply a rub or, uh, heating heating something or just the amount of time um your ambient air temperature how long you leave it out it's it's all kind of plays a factor if you're kind of you're kind of one of the nuts like us so um at cooking with swiss my buddy houston texas uh he's a good follow great guy funny guy he's in the carnivore diet he uh he's fired up uh, that's what he always says uh cooking with swiss mr swiss wants to know when it comes to reverse sear do you let the re- do you let the meat rest before searing, or do you dive right in? Yeah, I dive right in because the steak has already had time to rest as it's come up. It's come up more slowly. We talked about that earlier, and you know, for me, I sear right away, and I don't rest after I'm done searing. I, I it's it's good to go because again, it had that 45 minutes to an hour of rest, and um, um, I've tried it both ways, and I don't see a difference, so I, I stopped resting. I'm going to try that. Um... It does sound, because I, mean, I, I, I typically always rest it, but uh, I want to try the reverse sear, not resting. Uh, see, if, uh, see if you convert me. Um, another question here from Outdoor NLA. Hopefully I get that right. Uh, big time female hunter, great page, uh, doing some pretty, uh, pretty good wild game cooks. Um, she wants to know, are you, familiar, are you familiar with grilling wild game? And if you are, what's your favorite cut of wild game? My favorite cut is definitely backstrap on whitetail deer. And you know, I got I got into cooking more with wild game as I've worked with um, hardcore carnivore seasonings. Um, you know, their their um, camo rub is really built for gamey meat. And I think it's great on everything, but it, it definitely helps take out some of that gamey flavor, um, it, whether it's lamb chops or, or, or deer, elk or bear. Uh, but my favorite for sure is backstraps on a deer. I think backstrap is just, it's such a clean, lean piece of meat. It's just uh, like the right rub can really set it off and you got to cook it just right. Cause it could go, there's no fat on it. You can just really just torch the dang thing. So that's good. It shows a lot of talent to, to be able to cook that just right. And good. No doubt. I agree. Yeah, Cause it can, it can go up really quick and you don't want to overcook it. Cause it's it, like you said, you said it perfect. There's, there's not a lot of fat content there. Yeah, and it's a it's a weird looking piece of meat, especially even like a tenderloin too. It looks like a, almost like an alien to me, but it's a it's a fun cook, and it's a, I like to typically slice it up and serve it with a, some type of sauce, a chimichurri or something. Uh, I think I did do an orange tangy mustard sauce. It came out pretty good. You're getting me hungry. I know we got some more wings <laughs> left too. 
All right, last question. At Reload Rub. At Reload Rub just announced today that they're the official sponsor of On The Grill Podcast. Uh, I want to thank them for that. But they want to know, what is your favorite thing to showcase and cook in your workshops? And then uh, what food in particular gets the most rise out of the crowd? Where do you get the most rise out of, out of the crowd? Yeah, ribs typically get the most rise because, um, you know, that I think there's something about having that bone there and being able to eat the eat the meat right off and seeing the smoke ring and the sauce. And Are you a bite off the bone or, or pull off the bone? I'm or? a bite off the bone. You know, the KCBS, you, you, wouldn't, you don't want it to come off clean. If people like it like that, I can, I can overcook it a little bit. Um, so that it comes off clean. Um, but I think, I think ribs are typically, it's another one of those Holy grill moments. Um, I also love to do crap, pork crown roast. You know, I've done a, I've done a workshop with that. Oh, I think that it's super good. impressive. Um, I wish, I wish you could get it more throughout the year, but it seems like it's a holiday piece. Um, and then I would tell you, uh, the other one for workshops is lobster tails. You know, I, I, I do a demo where I show how to piggyback a lobster tail and then you know, baste them in butter and they turn out just phenomenal. They look really impressive when they're done. And then you typically put it, you know, over your steak, um, you know, make it look like it's kind of attacking it. And it just, it, 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 the presentations are showstopper. Surf and turf. All right. Appreciate Joel and Stacy. Uh, head over to reloadrub.com. Get a cart full of stuff. Use promo code CODA10. Have fun with that. I would recommend trying that pack and heat. I mean, it's definitely a game changer for me. I'm, we do some wings called, we call them dirty birds. And after we saw some, we, we put rub on it. I'm going to definitely try this pack and, pack and heat on my, uh, on my dirty bird recipe. Yeah, typically when it serves up, people will go from the pack and heat to the double action. But you stayed right with that, pipe, that pack and heat. That was nice. That was, that was fun. I like, I like it. Perfect bite. And the cool part is you said, uh, I was like, all right, you're going to cook this for your family? You said, yep, your boy will just dive right in. Oh, my boys are wing junkies, especially Max, and he likes it blazing hot. Oh, he's going to love some pack and eat. All right, Matt, anything else you want to talk about? Well, I just appreciate your support over the years. I mean, we've, it's, it's, it's always fun to become virtual friends with somebody. And then, you know, you actually meet them in person. Um, like we hugged each other on Saturday, and we'd never met in person. So I appreciate your friendship, and I, I love what you're doing with your podcast. And uh, I'm just, I'm honored to be the third person on, on the grill, right? So yeah. I know you're going to do big things, brother. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you stopping by, taking the time. I had a great time Saturday. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's great. Keep, keep spreading the word. Let's inspire people. Let's get them uh, cooking for their families, cooking for themselves, learning something new. But I uh, appreciate you, man. You're doing great things. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you at? Yeah, so I've got a website, californiagrilling.com. Um, and then on Instagram, which is where I'm at the most. Uh, which is at California Grilling. And uh, you can find me on there at Matt Lokay, uh, L-O-K-A-Y as well. Right on. All right, Matt, appreciate you. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Matt, you're officially off the grill. We'll catch you guys later.